Part 1. The Isle of Avalon. Ascending into Madness. A Day Out of Time. July 25th, 2021. Have you ever seen An American in Paris? It was my favorite movie as a child. Set in the years immediately following World War II, the opening scene features a young artist, an ex-soldier, waking up in his tiny Paris flat. In a fluid, choreographed dance, he rolls out of bed and performs a series of graceful movements that end with him dressed, washed, and fed, and ready for the day. His furniture folds up and in and out like accordions, and he moves within his small empire an impeccable picture of purpose and contentment. This movie taught me two things. The first was how to be happy while living simply and in small spaces. The second was that, more than anything, I wanted to live in France. I am, at the moment, an American not in Paris, but in Aachen. This small, vibrant, working-class town is located outside of Vaisley in Burgundy, France. For context, I want to mention that Aachen is located on the fabled island of Avalon, the mystical, legendary island of King Arthur's adventures. This unlikely island, existing so far inland, is formed by two rivers, Les Cures and Les Cossins. They converge and separate, and then converge again to form a secret, landlocked island resting wryly in the exact center of this country. Footnote. This island, formed by two rivers, was first discovered by Marilyn Floyd, a scholar of King Arthur. I highly recommend her book, King Arthur's French Odyssey, Avalon in Burgundy, which subverts the accepted tale that the Isle of Avalon is connected to the British Isles, specifically Glastonbury, England. Like the two rivers that separate and merge again to form this secret island that exists hundreds of miles from the sea, I bring you the convergence of two timelines that have yielded in their center the astonishing circumstances of my current life. This first passage starts at the confluence, a time of my own physical arrival to this legendary land, which is a homecoming of sorts. Through forces beyond my understanding, I have come here to this tiny town at the heart of France. This fertile, fecund land holds for me flickering, dimly available memories that are only now beginning to surface. There is a reclamation happening, a reclamation of something yet unknown that I have buried like unexpected treasure in the vast expanse of time and space to be found again when the time was right. The land on which I now reside is an ancient land of whispered knowings and closely guarded secrets. It is a thoroughfare from the days of the Templars and the Cathars and pilgrims and, before then, a land quivering with the holy mysteries of Mary Magdalene. I believe this land offers me a key to the treasure I am seeking. Turning away for the moment from this sweeping, grand-sounding movement of prophecy, I would like to describe my immediate context, appearance, surroundings, and how I came to be here now. I am a woman, 36 years old. It is summer of 2021. Seven months ago, in the midst of a massive sejura, the world, 
I abruptly and without ceremony left everyone and everything I had ever known. At that time, I was destitute. This was not simply a poverty of resources, though there certainly was that, but of joy and confidence and life force. At that time, I had been in a relationship that I came to understand later had constricted the airways of my being, forming an obscuring black hole around me of need and fear and cruelty. One day, in a moment of startling clarity, I left. I'd received the impulse from a force that can only be described as grace. It penetrated the numb immediacy of my day-to-day -day survival, breaking through the ice that had come to encase me. On the threads of this courage, I gathered my things and I left. This leaving ultimately took the form of a complete raising of my life. I sold everything worth selling and the rest I gave away. With only the money from these sold things, I bought a plane ticket. I did not look back. Not then. There would be time enough for that. In the deepest part of our world's quarantine, I arrived in the jungles of Puerto Rico. I had nothing in my hands but two suitcases. There I stayed, living for weeks in an empty villa that overlooked a waterfall and a clear, rushing river. I lived in unbroken solitude, taking the time I needed to grieve and transmute the broken lessons of my far and recent past. While there, I received a miraculous windfall, enough to allow me to travel and write for some time. The windfall came with a message from my higher guidance, as clear as a written note. Use this to travel, to explore, to discover, and to record all that you witness. Spend fearlessly and with joy as you have never done before. It was a strange message, contrary to all I had been brought up to believe, but I trusted it. I immersed myself completely in the journey that was opening to me. Ultimately, I lived in Puerto Rico for two months. While there, I finished an early draft of what was to become my first book. Every day, I received the deep, nurturing, and sometimes dark teachings of the dense surrounding jungle. Then, in winter, just on the cusp of spring, I moved to the rolling mountains of Appalachia. There I lived for five months. It was a time of deep cleansing, which ultimately prepared me to receive the healings and initiations of this shining and mystical land of France. I then came to where I am now, France. I was invited here by a woman, Marie, who wants to write a book of the transmissions of Mary Magdalene. She knows I am a writer, and she invited me to come here to live and work with her. At her invitation, I traveled here just a week ago from Appalachia. I am always interested in the appearance of the one in the story. I will try to satisfy you, though you must prepare yourself for a heroine of indeterminate physical attraction. I have light brown hair and blue, gray, green eyes. I am slender and taller than the average woman. As with Anne of Green Gables, one of my own enduring childhood heroines, you may find it difficult to decide whether or not I am beautiful. This is because my beauty doesn't live in my physical features, which are never still nor fixed. Photographs reveal a woman whose appearance seems to shapeshift from picture to picture. 
My beauty, such as it is, emanates from my presence itself, the signature of energy that shines outward from my inner being. There is, as with Anne, a vibration of possibility that hovers around me. It renders me compelling beyond my physical appearance. My beauty, such as it is, is not found, therefore, in the flesh. It is an attraction of an unearthly kind, a mutable kind, one that glimmers from realms unseen. So now you know, reader, it is as much satisfaction as I can offer. As I write this, I am looking out from the window of my second-story flat in Akin, a stark, monk-like apartment located in the town center above the Marche, a small shop selling necessities and sundries. It is mid-July, the very apex of summer. It is almost 9.30 p.m., and the sun is only now beginning to set, cloaking the town in a welcoming dusk. Across the narrow street beneath my window is the center of the village, marked by a restaurant bar known formally as Les Hirondelles, but by the locals is referred to simply as Les Cafés. The café presides over a quaint cobbled veranda which serves as a general meeting and leisure spot for those in town. By some mysterious agreement, the café, which technically closed hours ago, is still serving beer and wine to a number of milling denizens. Beyond the veranda rests a charming tableau of French dwellings which line the curving streets. These houses are built of natural stone, of an indefinable shade between cream and gray, and each is topped with a chimney. It is Sunday night, and as I watch, the town seems to radiate the mellow sunshine of a timeless summer. It is, in a word, charming. In the distance, above the houses of the village, rises a hill, not quite a mountain, smudged with dark green trees. And then, crowning this whole scene, is exactly the sky you would wish for. It stretches to the horizon, delicately washed in seashell pink and crowded with soft clouds, muted by the dusk into a lightly accented violet. With such a sky, the fairy tale is complete. As I peer through the window to my left, I can see the Basilica de Marie Madeleine the Basilica of Mary Magdalene, a stronghold of deep magic that presides over the valley in which I currently live. A dark and towering structure, it rests on a jutting promontory and stands silhouetted against the fading sky. A sentinel of the valley, the Basilica watches over the patchworked fields and the sleepy inhabitants that move dreamlike within their stone houses, all washed in midsummer twilight. I feel very French at the moment. Before leaving Appalachia, I purchased two filmy nightgowns, all satin and lace and everything that is beautiful and fine and feminine and dainty. I'm wearing one now that reflects the soft rose of the sky. Shimmering silk against my skin, it spills over delicately with lace at the bodice and along the bottom hem. Hanging in my closet is its twin, a stormy sea blue that exactly matches my eyes. The fact that there is no one present to appreciate the nightgown and its silken rustle against my skin doesn't trouble me. I have been alone for some time now and am in no rush to change this fact. In truth, 
I've not yet found a way to disentangle men from heartbreak. And until I do, I am happy to remain the foremost recipient of my own radiance. I must look like a jewel in the stark surroundings of this apartment. I moved in only a few hours ago with only my two suitcases. This is a spare place, absent at the moment of warmth or comfort. The walls are painted a clinical and unrelieved white. The floor is of white tile. Actually, the only color in this whole place is the counter in the upstairs bathroom, which is a shocking shade of electric teal. Thanks to Marie, the flat at least contains a desk, two chairs, a kitchen table, and a bed. Oh yes, it also has two sinks, bathroom and kitchen, two toilets, and a tiny, narrow, very French shower that is, I discovered, too small to turn around in without bumping my elbows against the sides. That is all. Like the man in American in Paris, I have, however, never been more content. I am somehow unconcerned about how and by what means the flat will be furnished with such necessities as a refrigerator, cutlery, and a couch. Strangely, I am also not worried about how I will enmesh myself into the immediate community when I speak fewer than 20 non-contiguous words of French. I have all I need at the moment, and for now, it is enough. I have actually been in France for a week. While waiting for the apartment to become ready, I stayed nestled in a tiny garret room in an old and venerable abbey, La Vieille Borde, only a few miles from here. Situated on a stretch of land bristling with forest and rolling with meadows, the abbey has retained the gravity and demeanor of its medieval antecedents. High vaulted ceilings, stone stairs worn by thousands of shuffling, reverent feet, and cavernous stone fireplaces designed to chase to the corners the persistent drafts of capricious countryside storms. At every turn, this abbey offers tantalizing glimpses of a time long, long ago. When I was dropped off in front of the Marche only a few hours ago, Marie leaned over to speak to me. Giving me a hug, she said in her accented English, Your life, it is just like a movie. And then suddenly I was alone on the cobbled street, holding my two suitcases, watching as she drove away. Today, I must say, is an auspicious day to begin the movie of my life. According to the Mayan calendar, we are about to begin a brand new year. Today, this Mayan New Year's Eve, takes the form of a strange temporal hinterland, a grace day known as the day out of time. This day is a day of rest, a pause between the passing year and the new one, yielding a respite for all of the souls preparing to cross the threshold of a new beginning. This day of peace, of rest, of coming to my new home, has blown in on the back of the receding year, which was called the year of the blue storm. The storms of this past year, I can attest, have been both violent and desultory, both physical and metaphysical. Yet, they have wetted the ground for the fertile, fecund year that is upon us, the year of the yellow seed. I have taken this day out of time to lay to rest the tumult, grief, loneliness, doubt, 
sadness, and steep paths of growth that I have walked in the previous months. A year scattered, like today was scattered, with periods of sunshine and grace, I am nevertheless happy to come to rest on the other side of the tempest. I can feel the previous year blowing out, finally, like a wildfire subsiding into embers. It is getting late now, and I haven't moved from my desk in many hours. It is dark now, finally the last rays of sun sinking beyond the horizon. The stars have come out, one by one, winking from the clear sky. An auspicious beginning, I can't help but think, to my new life. I do not yet know what the year will bring. My life has been so unpredictable lately. I do not know the exact shape of this coming year or the shape I will take within it. I do know, however, that whatever it is, it will be magic. I know this, reader, because it is what I have asked for.
Sejura, 